Let's pray with the word tonight. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. I pray that there be a spirit of revelation in this room. Lord, that we get what you want us to get, that we hear what you want us to hear. Lord, help us understand. Let us be those <clears throat> who receive the seed that produces a hundredfold as revelation comes to us. We really want in this time in our lives to get hold of what you've said and to see it made fruitful in our lives. Lord, we, we, we as a nation are facing impossible situations. We need the Word of God to produce in the people of God. So tonight we thank you and we honor you for your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, the woke people are out there, but the church needs to be awakened. We need something different to happen. We need to know what's going on in our society, our culture. Isn't it interesting? I find it interesting that the woke culture, and, and there are lots of organizations in it in our country, like the LBGTQ+, BLM, the Squad, all these people, they they have sided openly with the Palestinian movement and Hamas and their, their their murderous agenda. And I find that very interesting because I promise you that that the LB LGBTQ plus movement, that they support Hamas, but if they met the people from Hamas, Hamas would murder them on the site. I mean the feminist movement, Hamas would murder them on site because they don't believe in any of those things, that Hamas, Hamas is more cruel than anyone else. Uh, but Woke and Hamas have teamed up, and the thing that, that teams them up is their hatred. Their hatred for you, for Christians and for Jews, and it energizes them against the Lord. You know, Wokeism got its hatred from Marxism. I mean, they are following the Marxist plan. I read a quote, oh, this week or last week, from a guy named Henry Hazlitt. He was a journalist for the New York Times. He died in 93, so it was sometime before that. So he described Marxism. Here's what he said. He said, the whole gospel of Karl Marx can be summed up in a single sentence. Hate the man who is better off than you are. Never, under any circumstances, admit that his success may be due to his own efforts, the productive contribution he has made to the whole community. Always attribute his success to the exploitation, the cheating, the more or less open robbery of others. Never, under any circumstances, admit that your own failure may be owing to your own weakness, or that failure of anyone else may be due to his own defects, his laziness, incompetence, improvidence, or stupidity hate people who have it better than you. Oh, then I read a, a quote this week. <clears throat> you probably read it too. There's a lady, her name is Dr. Sharita Golden. She's the Chief Diversity Officer at Hop, Johns Hopkins University. Uh, Johns Hopkins Hospital in the change. She sends out a monthly diversity digest as a part of her job. In the January issue, she defined the word privilege. And then she sought to give examples of it. The lady makes a bunch of money. She works for a very successful hospital. She graduated the top of her class in college and in medical school. And she's going to define privilege to you, okay? Just so you'll know. And so she sought to give examples of what it 
what it has become, and this has become a train wreck for Johns Hopkins. So here's what she said. In the United States, privilege is granted to people who have membership in one or more of these social identity groups. White people, able-bodied people, heterosexuals, cisgender people, males, Christians, middle or owning class people, middle-aged people, and English-speaking people. I believe I'm in every one of those groups. I'm so privileged that I paid my way through college. So privileged. I've never had the government pay for a meal for me or a week's rent for me that I've done all that. Privileged. I'm privileged to God because he's provided the way, as are you. We need to understand and stand against this evil spirit of Marxism that is trying to split this nation in half by causing people to hate each other. Hating one another. What can we do? I'll tell you, this thing is impossible. The church, by and large, is sitting on the sideline because we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. I mean, it's like David standing against Goliath almost. It's like Joshua taking down the city of Jericho. He didn't know what to do. He had no idea what to do. He led him across the Jordan, and that's all he needed to do. He didn't know what to do. But we've got to have to do it God's way. This is, uh, I'm going to read out of Joshua for a second. Out of Joshua, Joshua chapter 5, verse 10. It says, And the children of Israel encamped at Gilgal, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, and even in the, in, the, in the plains of Jericho. They did eat of the corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes, parched corn the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they'd eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Now that's got to be disheartening to the people because all of a sudden God takes them off of the gravy train. All of a sudden they're going to have to get the food. All right, God isn't going to provide the manna anymore. Came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, they lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him. His sword was drawn in his hand, and Joshua said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? I mean, he's got a sword drawn. And Joshua's a little bit nervous. Are you for us or for our adversaries? I love the answer. He said, no. Are you for us or them? No. Nay is what it says in the King James. He said, no. No. What kind of answer is that? He said, no. Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, What saith my Lord to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. So Joshua has this, this, this Moses experience on this side of the Jordan, on the other, as we're getting ready to go and, 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 and take, take, take Jordan. I find this to be interesting, because Joshua doesn't know what to do at this minute. He doesn't have a clue of what to do. I mean, these, he's got to take this city. He knows it's the first city. The Lord led them to this place. He doesn't know what to do. He encounters the Lord. He asks him a question, and God gives him an answer he didn't even understand. But he understood, take off your shoes. And so he worshiped God. And now things begin to change when he worshiped God. See, I mean, if, we, if the church 
is going to take the nation, if the church is going to lead and have revival, we're going to have to understand some things. Number one, we're going to have to understand we've got to get a word from God. Joshua was a military leader. He was trained to fight. Remember when when Moses, I think it was the Amalekites they were fighting against, and Moses held up the staff and and Ur and, and, and her and Aaron had to hold his arm up. Joshua was down there fighting. He was the military guy. And so when he took over, these people understood he was the military guy. But God is going to give him some instruction that has nothing to do with what he's ever done before in his life. Can I just tell you, whatever you have planned for the revival, you're going to get a, we have to have a word from God, and it's going to be something that none of us know how to do. And I'm telling you, it's going, to, it's going to violate our religious mindset. So God, if we're going to have, first of all, we're going to have to have a word from God, a new word from God. Not anything different from the scripture, but if we're going to take down the evil, we're going to have to have a word from God. The charismatic ways will no longer work and you need to be tired of them. We're not going to get the manna again. We're going to have to be in the land, and we're going to have to eat what's in the land. We're not going to do it that way again. We're going to have to get some new wineskins for some fresh wine, because the old wineskins will not hold it. God wants to pour out something in a very fresh way that we've never done before, never seen before. When Tammy and I were in Dumas and we'd been there a short while and we decided that we had to get people to come to our church because it was little and new and nobody was coming. Well, a few people were coming. <clears throat> and so I decided, I don't think anybody wanted to do this, but I decided we need to go knock on every door in Dumas, Texas and invite them to church. And by golly, we knocked on every single door in that town and you know what nobody came <laughs> because it was an old wineskin we were trying to do it an old way and people were irritated when we knocked on their door they thought we were the Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever it was it didn't work just because it worked one time doesn't mean it's going to work every time you can find the scripture Jesus healed three people of blindness one of them he just spoke to one of them he put his hands on. Another one he rubbed mud in his eyes. God doesn't have to do it the same way and he won't do it the same way because it's going to take faith to walk with God. We're going to have to hear his voice and do what he says to do. We must hear from God and get the plan that we have and throw it out and just say, okay, because it's not working. The church is having almost no impact on our culture. Almost none. Oh, we're impacting the Christians because we're like, you know, the, the parable, this is not my message, but the parable of, of the lady who, who lost the coin, the one coin, and she went to find the coin. But what we want to do is keep polishing the ones we have. Let's polish the coins we got. Let's don't get a new word from God. Let's stay what we keep doing what we're doing, even though it's not working. But she found the lost one and she celebrated Listen, we must get a word from God, and then we got to hear the word from God. Hear it and be fearlessly 
obedient to whatever God tells us to do. In Joshua 6, the next chapter, the Lord told Joshua, he said, here's the plan. This is my paraphrase. I want you to get some guys and blow some ram's horns. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant with you in the middle, and I want you to walk around this town one time a day and don't talk. There's a miracle right there. Christians not talking would be a miracle. <laughs> not griping about the walk, not griping about the... Would, it would be... It would almost drive you crazy to hear those ram's horns just all the time, just blowing while you're walking around that town. Every day, for, 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 for six days, you walk around one time a day. Now, here's the kicker. On the seventh day, what day is that? The Sabbath day. What does their religion say about the Sabbath day? You don't walk around towns on the Sabbath day. And I'm, I'm sure Joshua was saying, okay, well, we can rest on the Sabbath. No, the Lord said, no, no, on the seventh day. I want you to walk around the town seven times. They had to get out of their religion for a day. They had to get away from how we've done it all this time. God gave them a word. Now, you don't, you don't violate this type of stuff just on your own initiative, but God gave a word here. And they walked around it seven times. And the Lord told Joshua, at the end of those seven times, they were going to shout and the walls were going to fall flat. I don't know what that means. I think that means the earth opened up and the wall just went down in the earth because it went flat. Because if it was not, if it was, if it just fell down, they had to climb over it. It wouldn't be flat. It was flat. And they came and they took the city. They had a word from God. There was something they had never done before. It violated their religion. And they, they had to be so attuned to what God was saying that they did it. And when they did exactly the way he said it, they took the city of Jericho. Now, here's what I'm saying. We're going to have to get a word from God, the churches, a real word from God. Not another kumbaya word, a real word from God that may or may not include four songs in a prayer. May or may not include a worship leader. May not or may not include a worship time. Would y'all be okay with that? If God said it, you would, wouldn't you? The hard part is getting people convinced today that God might have said that. I don't remember Jesus ever saying, okay, we're going to bring the worship band on and they got four songs and we're going to do a prayer. That never happened in the ministry of Jesus. I'm, I'm just throwing that out for you. <laughs> but Joshua wasn't trained for any of this. It was impossible. But it worked because it was a word from God. We got to be at this place. Do you remember what the ministries were prophesying at the beginning of 2020? This is going to be a year of victory. The church is going to have great revival. We're going to begin to take our cities. It was a bunch of baloney because it was a way to raise money. If you give good news, people send you money most of the time. But what happened in 2020? Three months later, the churches were shut down. The country was shut down. Man, it'd be great. It'd be great if we could prophesy for 2024, oh, God is going to take down the walls of Jericho. Not if we don't get a word and not if we don't hear what he has to say to us. 
Man, we're going to have to be obedient to what he says. Proverbs 21, 22 says, A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. We're going to have to get the wisdom of God and do it his way. We've got to get a word. Well, do I know what that word is? I don't. But somehow we've got to get a word from God to take this nation back. We, and I said this last week, we must be believers. What do believers do? Believe. That's what we do. What do we believe? We believe what God said. And we do what He said. We believe Him. We do that. I love it when, Je- when Jesus spoke to the centurion in Matthew eight thirteen about His servant. He said, Go your way as you have believed so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed the same hour. <clears throat> As we believe him, no matter how impossible it is, no matter how unlikely it is, we believe what he said. It is done unto us as we believe. What do you believe? What do we believe about our country? If you believe anything that is not from the Word of God, you're going to be in trouble. I believe that Donald Trump can save this country. No, he can't. If he, if he could, he would have the first time he was elected. Well, I believe that, that if we can just get the Democrats out, that's not going to save our country. We've got to believe something. We've got to believe the Word of God. Got to believe what he said. Listen to these verses. This is out of Mark chapter 9. Jesus is talking to a fellow who, who has a boy with a demon. He said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, now Jesus just he said to this man, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Do you believe that? We, I, mean, I think we need to say, yes, I believe that. I believe, Jesus, you said that, and I believe it's true. Believers believe. What kind of believer are we? I mean, if we're to live in the way the Lord intends for us to live, we're going to have to refuse to allow the the world to define us. We're going to have to believe what Jesus said. It will be unto us according as we believe. So I'm going to talk about this for just a few minutes tonight. Now, as I'm talking about it, don't assume you know anything, okay? Just pretend that you know nothing about this subject so far. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8, 2, If any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. No matter what you know, you don't know anything yet, as you ought to know. That's what the Scripture says. So I want you to hear it like you've never heard what I'm talking about before. I mean, let me ask you this. How many of you tonight are better off than you were a year ago in your walk with God? Anybody? Why, why would you be better off? I'll tell you why. Because you've heard the Word of God. The Word of God has changed you. It's ministered to you. The Holy Spirit brought you out of darkness into light. 
Scripture, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, what happens? You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's the truth you continue in, the truth that you know. Why does that make you free? Because you believe it. You believe it. When you believe it, it makes you free. All right? We don't know everything yet, but we know some things, and I'm happy for some things that we know. So we're going to get some things. We've, we've got a high calling in life. Jesus came. He did some things that we can't do. He died for our sins. We can't do that for one another. He already did it. But he came and lived this example of belief that we can follow that we can walk in, and that's what we want to talk about. Now, I'm going to, I just read you two verses out of Mark chapter 9, but I'm going to read you this whole passage from Mark chapter 9, or hopefully we can get through it here. <clears throat> Mark chapter 9, verse 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Jesus has been on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. They've been up there. Jesus was transfigured. They saw Moses and Elijah talk with Jesus. They're glowing. Jesus was glowing. The Bible says his clothes were whiter than the whitest bleach could get them. I mean, he's still shining. They come off the mountain. The crowd comes running to him because they're like, ooh, look at that guy. They come running over there. They get to Jesus and this one guy comes up and he tells him, he said, I brought my son to you and he has a dumb spirit. Now, he had a spirit, a dumb spirit. He talked about all the things that he does. He, he tear, he, 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 that spirit tears him. He foams it in his mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He's pining away. He said, I spoke to your disciples to cast, and they couldn't cast it out. And Jesus said, he answered the guy and said, O faithless generation. O faithless generation. That ought to give you a clue as to what the problem is. O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? The disciples couldn't cast it out. They couldn't get rid of this demon. They tried, and you know, they prayed hard. I mean, they probably started a prayer chain. And they had all the people they could find to pray for him. And they're praying, and they're, they're binding, and they're loosening, and they couldn't canst, cast the thing out. Jesus comes, and he tells him the problem. The kid's foaming at the mouth, and Jesus said something like, Well, everything's working out according to God's plan. I mean, I don't know, and you can't understand why he's like this, but I'm sure it's for a reason. You'll understand by and by. Is that what he said? What I just quoted is taught and believed in most churches in this country. Jesus never said that. Then I'll tell us something. I mean, what does Jesus talk about? What is the first thing he mentions? Belief. Oh, faithless generation. That's the first thing. I mean, 
in our churches today, we talk about this infinite, unknown will of God. Jesus talked about faith. Faithless generation. He said, I'm thinking he's just like, faithless. You're a faithless bunch. All of you. See, people who believe don't enjoy unbelief. Don't like being around it. Don't like hearing it spoken. Faith doesn't want to hear why it can't happen or why it doesn't happen today. What does Jesus do? He said, bring him to me. Didn't say anything about the will of God. Didn't say, oh, well, God made him that way. Let me throw this out to you. Things that are vexing, things that are destructive, are not from God. Because the scripture says he gives good and perfect gifts. It is the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. God did not make him that way. God didn't do that. He said, bring him to me. The things that steal your time, the things that steal your money, the things that steal your joy are not from God. And I challenge you to find me a scripture in the New Testament that says it. So, wait a minute. You mean, would that mean there's something wrong with me? I'm not saying that. Just, I don't know everything. But again, I know some things and I'm really happy about those things. But I know the Bible didn't say it. They brought him to Jesus and he fell down foaming. Now here's an interesting thought. They brought him to Jesus and it got worse. It got real worse. Now today, I mean, today if you brought somebody to church and they fell down foaming, the experts would have all kinds of names that they could assign to it. All kinds of names. And none of them would include this word, spirit. They wouldn't talk about that. I mean, you'd be mocked if you say anything about a spirit. You'd be called ignorant, superstitious, all kinds of things. And, and to say all of that stuff and discount the spirit is to discount this whole passage of Scripture. Jesus called it a spirit. He treated it as a spirit. How many people acknowledge spirits today? Explains why we don't see a lot of deliverances anymore, right? We've, we've took that out. Our society, if you look around, that modern thinking has no ability to help the demonized. Look at what's happening out there. All the, 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 the shooting rampages that go on, the mass shootings, the sexual confusion, calling good bad and bad good, the open drug markets where all, everything is okay and, and, and there's all kinds of filth and perversion and it's declared okay by the local, the state government, while the very people, those people are sworn to protect are fearing for their lives and their property because they don't know how to deal with demons. 
Don't know what to do with spirits. Oh, man. You can't find a spirit under a microscope, by the way. They don't have pills for demons. Well, they do. They, it's, it's, just, it's, for the, it's, it's to drug people uh, about their symptoms. This thing that we're talking about, belief, faith, is rare and precious. And we sometimes flippantly talk about it. It's very rare. It's very precious. The Scripture says in Romans 12, verse 3, that every man is given the measure of faith. But that doesn't mean that every man has faith. It means every man has the ability to believe. But not every man does. Well, there's a measure of it. Not everyone has it. Here's what Simon Peter said in 2 Peter 1 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He called it like precious faith. Jesus told us to have the faith of God. The Apostle Paul called it the faith of Jesus. We are not to have any faith that isn't precious faith. What makes something precious? Do you know? It's only precious when it's rare. I mean, if you can only find the one, that one's precious. It's rare. It's like precious faith. There may be faith. You may have faith for, for uh, money. You may have faith for healing. You may have faith for something else. But it's all the same rare, precious faith. It's rare. You don't find it everywhere. You don't see it everywhere. It's not common. It's precious Peter also said in 1 Peter 1, 7, he says, that the trial of your faith being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I was going to bring a gold coin tonight. I was just going to bring a one-ounce American Eagle gold coin just for you to look at it. Do you know gold is pretty precious? I mean... Most of us don't have a lot of it hanging around our house. We wear it on a finger sometimes or around our necks. But we don't have just like, I don't know, a bunch of, you may, but most of us don't have a bunch of gold in our house. I, have a, I was going to bring a gold coin that I have in my house and just let you look at it, feel of it. One troy ounce of gold. Ooh, man, you can hold it in your hand. You can hide it in your pocket. Man, it's worth 2200 bucks. That little bitty thing. Why? Because it's rare. It's precious. The Apostle Peter said that faith is more precious than gold. Well, if you have the right kind of faith, the right kind of thing, you get a lot of gold from that. I mean, you know, faith can, 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 can get, have, get your needs met, do all these things. I mean, the Bible says it's precious. It's more valuable, more precious than gold. In fact, it goes on in that verse that says God is going to praise it. Do you know that when Jesus ran across faith, what happened? He would stop. He would say, I've not seen faith like this. Because it was rare. It was precious. 
but it changed the lives of the people who had it and the people that were associated with them. I mean, man, Jesus commended it. Many can have faith, but few do. It's rare and precious, though all of us have access to it. Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth? What a question. He said, will I find faith in the planet? Can I tell you the answer? If you and I are here, yes, he can. He can find it in this room. Because there are people in this room who believe. It's rare and precious. Man, people ask the question, well, what faith are you? (laughs) The correct answer is none for most people. None. None. Faith, belief, is not knowledge. You can have a head full of knowledge and have no faith. Faith is not having to understand anything. Don't have to understand it to believe it. Faith is from the heart, the scripture says, and not from the head. I mean, how can a brown cow make white milk? You turn the white milk, it turns into yellow butter. How can that ever happen? You don't have to know how it happens, but you can enjoy the milk and the butter, right? Even if you don't know. I mean, you just, you just have to know, even if you can't understand it. Faith is of the heart. Faith is not even desire. Faith is something that comes out of my heart because faith that is rare and precious can be ours. We need it in this hour more than ever in the history of the world. Our nation needs you to be a believer. Our nation needs me to be a believer. I mean, it needs, it needs, it needs to affect what we do in our lives. How will it affect us if we believe? And then if we believe, and that belief is increased, we need to start praying, God, show me what's faith and show me what's not. A lot of religion is not faith. We need to find out. Okay, so I'm going to go back to my passage in Mark chapter 9. So they bring to this boy to Jesus. He, he, he falls in the ground. Let me pull back up the scripture. He falls to the ground and he begins to foam at the mouth. And he's wallowing. And Jesus asks his father. By the way, Jesus didn't freak out. He, he, he didn't, it didn't, it's like Jesus looks at the dad and goes, how long has he been like that? I mean, just as calm as he can be. How long has it been like that? Didn't freak out? Wasn't afraid of it? I mean, he said, how long has he been like that? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him in the fire, into the waters to destroy him. He starts telling about it. And so Jesus here, I mean, he says, how long has he been like that? And, 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 and he starts talking about it. Most people, though, go into the natural mode and they begin to talk about the symptoms. You know, I mean, I guess we could deal with the foaming first. But Jesus didn't want the symptom. He wanted to deal with the root of the problem. Today, what would they say about this guy? Well, he's mentally handicapped. I mean, he's off. I mean, you can't leave him alone. Nothing can be done. But we can give him something to help control the symptoms. That's what they say. He's just off. Preachers today? We'll stay away from that one. Right? I mean, that we, 
that doesn't bring people to your church normally. That drives them out the door. And then the man. It's amazing, this passage. He says, he asked him how it works, and then the man said, he comes to train, but, the guy says, but if you can do anything. That's kind of an amazing statement. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything, Jesus. I can't do anything, Jesus. And now it is all up to you. It's, if you don't do it, it can't be done, Jesus. If you can do anything, help us. If you can, that's an amazing thing. He puts all the pressure on Jesus. I mean, the disciples couldn't do it. And just because, you know, they, now by the way, let me, let me get aside here. The disciples couldn't do it. They prayed hard. It didn't work. That doesn't mean that it's the will of God for him to stay this way. Sometimes it's like, well, it didn't work, so it must be God. No, no, it wasn't the will of God. It didn't work. It doesn't mean it that. So let me just tell you something. When it doesn't work, get off your back and don't let the devil blame you because it didn't work. If it didn't work, that means we hadn't found the answer and the Lord hasn't given the word yet. He has given the word, his word, but don't give up on believing what God said. Don't let that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Stay with the word. Hang on to what he said. Do not allow the devil one time to say, if you had more faith. That's what they said to Jesus. If you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus was like, oh yeah, watch this. Because they tried to say it's your fault. The devil will come and tell you it is your fault. You don't have faith. It, don't let him tell you that. Don't let him tell you to stop. You might as well give up. I mean, th th these guys prayed hard and earnestly. By the way, if you read Matthew's gospel, this same thing, they said, why didn't it work? And then he said, because of your unbelief. They were praying hard, but they didn't believe it was going to happen anyway. He said, your unbelief. Most of us don't want to hear this part because of your unbelief. Your unbelief. There's something we have to do. We have to believe. In spite of what we see. In spite of what we feel. In spite of what the suffering in front of us. We have to believe Him. Most of us don't want to think we have anything to do with it. We, we think it, it's, it's up to the mysterious will of God. This man said, Jesus, if you can do anything, it's up to you. It's up to you. I mean... It's up to you, Jesus. If you can't, then nobody can. What did Jesus say? Do you remember what he said to the man? Let me read it to you. I've got to come back to my notes down there. He said this. The man said, we read it earlier. He said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. He tried to put it all on Jesus. Here's how it says it in the Greek language. He said, if you can do anything, and Jesus said, if I can do anything, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believes. 
the man was trying to put it all on Jesus and Jesus turned it around and he said, if I can do anything, it's not about what I can do. It's if you can believe. Hold on, hold on. Do you believe that? The same guy who told us that God loved the world and sent his only begotten son said, if you can believe, all things are possible. There are situations in life that humans can do nothing about. But God can. They say nothing can be done. We're taught to accept it and go on with our lives. Jesus never told a single person, just accept it and learn how to live with it because God's teaching you something. He never said that. I believe the Bible, do you? I don't understand it. Really, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. When they say it's impossible, Jesus said, everything's impossible. Everything's possible, but not to everyone, only to those who believe. Not everybody believes that phrase, and so it won't work for them. All things. What, what things is he talking about? What all things? All things that God has promised in his word. All those things are possible. If he's promised it, it's possible. The problem is we give up too quickly and the devil knows we're going to give up quickly. We don't see it happening. We don't see it moving. We quit. The devil, he's in it for a long time. He'll stay there. He'll come back tomorrow, come back the next day, the next day. We've got to stay with what we believe. Believe it. All things are possible. All things are possible. Man, he, he didn't say anything about the will of God to the man. He said all things are possible. Then he cast the spirit out and the guy looked like he was dead. I mean... That's when all the people are looking for the lawsuits, man. They're getting out the papers to sue somebody. But the boy got he, got, he got healed. There's a thing that the Bible calls unfeigned faith. That means not phony. It's the real deal. And you don't know if it's the real deal or not until you use it. It's like a counterfeit $20 bill. When you try to use it, that's when you find out that it's fake. And it has no shelf life. You use it. You use it. You live by it. The Bible says that we walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith. It's not an episode. It's a way of living. We live this way. All things are possible to him that believes. Has anybody ever seen a miracle? And then the devil tries to, you are one, the devil tries to talk you out of it. And I've told this story before, but I was, I was in Saltillo, Mexico one day, and our group did a play on the street, and I was God, and my interpreter was Jesus in this play we did. When the play was over, this mama and her boy came up, and this is a true story, she came up and she only wanted God to pray for her son. Okay, that was me. He had a big growth on his neck about the size of my fist. 
She said, pray for my son. My interpreter's name was Martin and Martin and I put our hands on this boy's neck and we prayed and the thing disappeared under our hands. Immediately, the devil came and said to me, it really wasn't there, was it? But it was. I saw it with my own eyes. Martin saw it with his own eyes. It's too late to tell me that it doesn't work. That mama brought him and God healed him. I mean, then the man says, I like this part. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And this is where we are, many of us. I believe what you just said. Help my unbelief. The Lord really, really wants to help us. He wants us to see the impossible. Remember when Peter walked on the water, looked at the waves, began to sink. He said, Lord, save me. And Jesus didn't let him drown. (coughs) Pulled him right up and said, wherefore did you doubt? Because Peter doubted a little bit. This man is there. He's got his kid. Jesus is there. He said, if you can just believe, everything's possible. And can you just hear the devil talking to you? You're educated. A spirit? Are you crazy? Why would you think? Those guys couldn't have. Why do you think this can be? And so he said, he said, you know what? I believe you. But there are just some things that i got to get past. Would you help me? He must have helped him. Because a few verses later, the boy was free. Normal as he could be, just a few verses later, real faith, real faith can see that type of thing. I mean, Jesus rebuked the spirit, looked like he was dead. And I loved what it said. They all thought he was dead. And Jesus, it says, lifted him up. And he'll do the same for you and me. The Bible says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without believing, we can't, that's the only thing that's impossible is pleasing God without belief, without believing him. But if we believe, the Bible says, we gotta believe two things, just two easy things. Number one, he's God. If he's God, nothing is too big for him. If you believe that he is God, nothing you face is bigger than he is. Jeremiah said, nothing is too difficult for you. We got to believe that. Number two, he's a rewarder. What does that mean? What is the reward of somebody who believes? Receiving what you believe for is the reward as you diligently seek him. Two things. You're God and you will do what you said you will do. And I can have that. He provides. My question is, is it possible? The answer is, yes, it is. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we thank you that your word is true. Lord, we don't understand it. Our minds are telling us, I've seen the opposite of that, but we've got to listen to what you've said and not what our minds and what the devil's trying to say. I believe it's possible. I believe you're going to do things 
in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones, in the life of this nation that are impossible. We choose to believe what you've said in Jesus' name. Amen.